welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. You are like moments away from going to Japan, and I'm jealous. Please take me with you. You've been, right? I've been, but I want to go back. I mean, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Obviously. First time in six years. Haven't been back to Japan since 2016. The before times. In every sense of the word, I didn't appreciate it enough, truly. But I'm also going to be very busy and very jet-lagged. So it's going to be fun, but I'm going to be very tired. So look forward yeah, to that. Yeah, there, there is that trade-off, I suppose. Indeed, as always. Also, as always, joining me is my other lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I've never been to Japan. I Aww. Aww. So I'm going to send you a list of, of Pokemon booster packs I'm going to need you to pick up while you're here. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing uh, Pokemon McDonald's again, Pokemon cards, and it's just like not... have all these useless cards. Like I'm going to throw them in the lobby for the kids to fight over. Those aren't, those aren't the good ones. See, Japan, this is some Pokemon TCG info for y'all. Japan gets these booster packs. I think they do them once a year. I'm still like fresh to this. So like, correct me if I'm wrong in, in the comments and such. But I think about once a year, they do these ones called like VMAX Climax or something like that. And it's basically just a full pack of all full art cards. So those Pokemon cards that you see that aren't the normal looking Pokemon cards, but they have like tons of art on it. It looks really cool. Mm. Japan gets those. We don't. And so... I'm not saying Cat has to keep an eye out for him, but I am saying that if I was personally going to Japan, I would bring an extra suitcase <laughs> for some good Pokemon cards. With Pokemon cards. They what would you buy in Japan? Pokemon cards. Yeah, I mean, they also like I have seen some holographics and stuff like that from Japan that are they're just nicer. They have like cool holographic emblems instead of just normal holographic stuff and it's just overall like a nicer presentation and quality. And I'm like, mm, we're, we're just getting second fiddle over here. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll try and remember to pick up some omiyage. That means souvenir in Japanese. Oh, so, yeah. I'll bring home some stuff for all of you. Cool. If I remember, oh. probably I'll be busy. I feel like I want to put together a little bit of a, a bucket list. We were talking about mm. this a little mm -hmm. while ago. Mm -hmm about what I actually want to do while in Japan, because I don't want this just to be a business trip, y'all. Right. I have memories. Oh, I have friends, in theory. I want <laughs> to make the best of this, because who knows when I will ever get back to Japan again. But in the meantime, as for this episode of Axe of the Blood God, um, it's about time that we talk about all of the RPGs that are coming out this fall. There's a lot of them. We're going to talk about the ones that we're most excited about, Gonna highlight them for you. It's a handy dandy guide from us, Axe of the Blood God, about what RPGs you should be paying attention to. All of them, because they're RPGs. It's a great job. Obviously. I love it so much. Before we get to that, um, if you enjoy the show, please go ahead and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore capot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford, and Eric is at Eric Van Allen. No, he's not. He's at Seamusy. <laughs> C-M-O-O-S-I. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have tons of bonus content just for you. For example, this month we're doing Autumn of Avatar, which we will continue talking about later in this episode. And 
we'll be doing a full-blown review of book one at the end of the month. So you can look forward to that. There's also Charlie and Dropouts and also Pantheon of the Blood God, which should be going up uh, now. <laughs> um, we uh, we did the uh, Trails, Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky with Cam Hawkins and Michael Hyam. And that was a lively conversation about a lovely little RPG. But did it make it into the Pantheon? Listen and find out. And finally, we do a live show every single week. And we are joined by Andrew H. Azixa, Prince Ruka, and Sardin, our stars of destiny for this week. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. And you are great. One more time. Patreon.com slash Pod. Okay. It's time now to talk about what we have been playing. Sacrifices. The Blood God. And Eric, I'll start with you since um, you're playing the new thing. Um, it's a game that I... So basically what I'm getting from this is that you just want to go live full time in Disneyland. Yeah. You know, <laughs> after going to Disney World last year, I really just felt... I, I, okay, well, let's start from the beginning here. Uh, I've been playing Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is basically like playing a video game version of going to Dis- Disney World if you don't want to go on all the rides. Uh, if you just want to walk around the park all day, that's <laughs> and, me. That's all I. So I want to see the animals. I don't mean to cut you off. Eric. No, no, no. Actually, I do mean to. I do mean to cut you off. Um, I don't. The last time I was at Disneyland, I only rode one ride. Wait, what? Yeah, like one ride. I, one ride. I that got drunk ride. on the monorail. Does that count? What was the what Millennium was the Falcon? Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, how was that? Yeah. How was that? It was awesome. It's like the video gamey one, right? Yeah. I was walking around, taking in vibes, looking at merch, Mm -hmm. eating food, Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of wandering the park and seeing everything. The rides themselves, not that interesting to me. I went on Space Mountain, which was pretty cool, in Disney World. Yeah, Yeah. they're all right. Yeah. I I have no uh, issues whatsoever with... um, uh, with Disneyland itself, uh, the rides themselves, they're, they're cool, but in some ways, I, I mean, I've been to Disney World, so I've done a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know, they're not that much elevated from your typical amusement park rides like Space Mountain and that kind of thing. They, they creak a lot. They do squeak and creak a lot, which is like, well, uh, Disneyland, ex- Disney World tickets are kind of expensive. Maybe this Peter Pan ride shouldn't be squeaking the way it is. Well, it's it's interesting because like I do think the thing that elevates a Disney attraction above, say, like a Six Flags or something like that is the theming is the amount of work that goes into making this ride, not just be the ride itself, but to be an experience around it. Uh, if you want to go really deep down a rabbit hole, which I definitely did during the pandemic, uh, you can learn a lot about just why the Imagineers at Disney are super clever for the way that they design their theme parks and the way they create um, vistas and the way that they hide certain parts of the park when you're looking from other sections. So that way you really feel like you're going into a new area when you go into one. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's some really, really cool stuff. But all that aside, I've been playing Disney Dreamlight Valley, which I really just got off of Xbox Game Pass. So it's an early access right now and you can buy into it uh, or you can get into it through Xbox Game Pass, uh, which basically just gives you the lowest level, I think, uh, option to get into Disney Dreamlight Valley early. I think the full launch is is 
currently set for sometime next year. Um, and this is essentially, I was interested for two reasons. Number one, because it's a Disney game and I wanted to see what a Disney game looks like. Um, like, like what, what, what a fandom focused Disney game looks like in 2022, basically yeah, uh, it's being sure. made by game loft, but, uh, it's also, one of the first games we've got rolling out in this post Stardew and post Animal Crossing New Horizons world in that it is very much, I would say, largely an Animal Crossing. It is you have a village that you are building up. The whole setup, I was telling Nadia this before the podcast, is that you are an adult. You are <laughs> you are <laughs> an older person, ostensibly. Uh And you wind up in this magical kingdom that has been beset by thorns and darkness and stuff. And Merlin is there uh, and is like, oh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, All these thorns are here. Something terrible called the forgetting happened. And now all the Disney characters are gone. But but you you have magical power, it seems. And your character like wishes away the thorns and that brings back memories of the Disney characters. And so you start bringing back goofy and Mickey and they're like, Oh, the ruler used to be here and the ruler hung out with us and played with us and had these magical mighty tools. And it seems like you can wield them. So maybe until the ruler comes back, you could take up the mantle and bring everybody back after we all left from the forgetting. And if, if you have like any level of writing ability, you kind of know where they're going with this. And I, I, I don't think it's anything incredible story wise. I do think it's incredible writing wise for a reason I'll get to in a little bit, but uh, I, I think it's fascinating as a Disney animal crossing because I feel like it's saying, sorry, I feel like it's saying like, we know you abandoned your animal crossing town. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> it is very much like go recapture your actual child in, um, yeah. but it does a lot of really nice quality of life things. Um, like the watering can is is magic so it never runs out of water and you can pretty much dig things up anywhere and plants take maybe like five minutes to grow after you've watered them and you can harvest them it like this is very much a no friction video game right uh and it's really based around social links and hanging out with these characters. So as you get to know these characters, and so they have Scrooge McDuck as the Tom Nook equivalent, which is beautiful. No notes there. Um, And you have all these other characters, Goofy and Mickey, who start out in your town and you start going to different worlds and doing quests to bring characters from those properties to your town. So like I just got Remy from Ratatouille into the town and he opened his restaurant there and I'm doing quests for him to help reopen his restaurant. Uh, you are doing a lot of stuff with other characters. Like it wants you to not just farm, but walk up to Mickey and be like, Hey Mickey, I set your affinity to gardening. So our social link (laughs) gets higher when we garden together. So let's go garden. I set him to gardening because he told me Minnie loved gardening and Mickey's entire (laughs) shtick is being a sad wife guy. (laughs) Like he is sad because (laughs) Minnie's gone. Minnie is missing. And so he'll be like, Oh, I'm really excited to hang out with you today, but Oh, 
I miss Minnie. And he's just wow, really sad. Wow, that was all really good, Eric. That was I, a good invitation. I try. I, I thought I figured I'd be, try to do the voices. You should be. You should be Mickey <laughs> full time, man. You can do it. Well, then, and like, there's a whole bit where you're teaching Goofy what capitalism is with the help of Scrooge McDuck, like. Goofy gorsh. just wants just to fish. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, well, gorsh, I'll open this stall. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like trying to teach him how to like sell things and stuff. It's very fun. Um, gorsh, I can't afford healthcare. <laughs> um, Goofy is a fool and a moron because I set his affinity to fishing. So when I fish with him, he will sometimes out of nowhere, just pull an extra fish out of his pocket and be like, well, here you go. Here's another fish. And it just gives you a bonus fish from How nowhere. How long has it been in there? Yeah. So okay. instead of one fish, I got two fish. Uh, and then I take those fish cause fish are actually extremely valuable coins wise. And I sell them to goofy at the shop for money. So goofy doesn't even know I'm fleecing him. For fish. Sounds like he understands capitalism. Yeah, no, he's learning fast. Um, Oh but my God. Oh- can you just imagine these characters all learning and evolving? <laughs> Well, who wants to learn how a baby's made? <laughs> Everybody's hands go up. It's the Xenoblade scene all over <laughs> the again. Xenoblade scene. Yeah. With Disney characters. Oh, God, um, it's terrible. All that is to say, this game is extremely charming and really fun in ways I did not expect it to be and is kind of just like, what if you wanted an Animal Crossing with all the edges sanded off. So it was just very easy to play and jump in and do stuff. There's not a lot of grinding. There is like a daily shop that resets, but also you can order things from the catalog. It's, it's the same setup as animal crossing. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff is very much the same as animal crossing. And I think the X factor really is that they encourage you to spend time with characters because it's just, it's it's good. They've put a lot of work into making quest lines for all these characters and have you do things with them. And so I was doing a thing for for Mickey because he wanted to set up a picnic because he was missing Minnie and Minnie loved of picnics. Course. And so I needed fish to make a fish sandwich for the picnic. So I was like, cool, Mickey, while you're off doing other stuff for the picnic, I'm going to go get goofy and we're going to go fishing because I'll get a bunch of bonus fish there. And like it was just clicking sounds like you're baiting together. a trap. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, and the funny part of that quest is throughout it, you start seeing the ghost of Minnie around the town, like literally a ghost of Minnie Mouse walking around town in a very almost near replicant way that is kind of say, freaky. Like, at a pure heart or something from Fat yeah, 14. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just weird and fun, and it really does feel like it's made for an adult to be playing and like a kid to be sitting next to you and be like, Oh, let's go hang out with Wally. And the adults like, I'm actually having fun playing this video game. Like there's, there's kind of that level. And so on the same, like by the same merit, I am getting enjoyment out of this game as somebody who just wants to see what the life sim genre looks like in this post stardew post animal crossing world. And I'm also getting a lot of enjoyment out of it as like somebody who likes Disney a lot. And I think the one problem I have so far is that a lot of the focus is on modern Disney characters. Mm -hmm. So I was mentioning this before we started, but um, the oldest characters I've seen that are not like core Disney. So not like Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy um, 
are like the little mermaid i think that's about as far back i guess merlin's pretty old too right um, merlin's older than yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah way older but most of the characters that you're doing these quests for to go and get it's like, like the moana first, right yeah the first three they give you are, i think are moana uh ratatouille and wally which i love ratatouille don't get me wrong ratatouille is i mean who doesn't an all-timer for me but uh I would really like to see them either get into some more obscure stuff. Like, come on, give me the treasure Atlantis, planet. Atlantis, the lost <laughs> emperors, emperor's new group. Emperor's, emperor's new, new group, group would be come incredible. I said black cauldron earlier. Like, <laughs> or even do it like some golden age stuff. Like I'd love to see snow white and the seven dwarves in there. I'd love to see Rob. Give me Robin hood. Robin hood is an underrated oh, part furry Robin of the hood. Disney so canon. In. Y'all. If they did that, I would play this game. I would uh, definitely populate Robin my fan? village with Disney Robin Hood, and mm-hmm. I would look around at all of my like little fox characters and bear characters and be like, "I sure hope this doesn't awaken anything in me." Oh, so, so, I thought it was none of whom are wearing pants for some reason. The other smart thing they do is as you build up these social links, uh, which they are social links, and so there's no like dating in like stardew or whatever but it is building up this track that each character has and as you go up further you will start to unlock both cosmetics from your character that are inspired by that character so like one of the things in remy's line from ratatouille is i can get the sign like the restaurant sign that says like you know shea remy or whatever that i can hang on the outside of my house or if i get goofy's high enough i can get a fireplace that looks like his fireplace from i think the goofy movie or something but uh, it has like goofy stuff on it and uh you can start to not only develop a bond with the characters which is important for progression but you also get to then deck out your house with all this disney stuff and i mean like it is full-on animal crossing you can move furniture everywhere the cooking is surprisingly complex there's a lot of you have like five slots and you can put whatever you want in there and remy's whole quest line was basically teaching you that the cooking can be complex so like a ratatouille has five very specific ingredients but a fish sandwich can kind of be whatever you want to mix it up with. And you can add spices Mm -hmm. to like bump it up a star level and stuff like that. It's surprisingly more complex than I thought it would be, but yeah, Disney dreamlight Valley, surprisingly competent Disney animal crossing. It's, I don't think it's anything that I'm going to like bust down doors over, but I think especially if you are the parent of a young child looking for something that y'all can play together or that you can drive and the kid can watch or something. This is so good for that. And honestly, if you are somebody who has nostalgia for Disney and just wants to see them, write Mickey as a weird, sad wife guy. uh, Also fascinating for that. The the writing is surprisingly, it's definitely that writing that is uh, kids can enjoy it, but also there's stuff in there that the adults are going to be like, Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, and get some laughs out of. So it's really good. I'm really surprised by it. Well, while Eric plays start this very strange post capitalist horror show that is mm-hmm. Disney Dreamlight Valley, <laughs> I um, didn't play any video games at all this past week. Heck I, yeah. I guess I was just busy consuming media. Other media, I guess, like Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. However, I did watch through all of uh, Gundam Unicorn. And I got to say, holds up. Still very good. 
I mean, there were still moments that I was kind of laughing about, you know, it's a Gundam show. It is very extra in the Gundam way. The difference mm-hmm. between Gundam Unicorn and the original Mobile Suit Gundam is um, Gundam, the, the original Mobile Suit Gundam is kind of a story of found family on the battlefield, I want to say, um, yeah. with robots. Mm-hmm. Gundam robots. Unicorn is very much a meditation on the setting and the world, the, the universe, the story so far trying to reconcile everything that's been happening across like 30 years of Gundam. The original show's set in the year, like 20 years before this show. So it's like way down the line. It's mm-hmm. kind of the conclusion you could say to the entire part of that entire part of a uh, Gundam. And it's gorgeous, way prettier than Gundam, the origin, which is the prequel. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really some of the best uh, mobile suit fights I've ever seen it does a surprisingly good job of reconciling all of those plot threads. It, it does get up a little bit of, uh, into its own, into itself <laughs> trying its to do all this. It's very much up its own butt. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> that is what it is. It is so much that, um, having said that battles are just absolute bangers in that show. And I really like Marita. And I really like uh, Audrey. And mm. um, mm-hmm. it actually kind of does right by its uh, women characters uh, for a change. And uh, yeah, very fun. Rec- strongly recommend if you uh, want to continue your Summer of Gundam journey. Um, and we've also been watching uh, War in the Pocket, Gundam 0080, which is uh, my summer vacation, Boku no Natsu Yusumi, but in Gundam form and on Christmas. <laughs> mm. like, it's on very, Christmas. very cute. And on Christmas. It's a Christmas episode. Only six episodes. It's about uh, the the bo- a little boy, the girl next door, and a Zaku that crashes on a neutral colony. And um, it gets dark. Oh, I was, I was thinking like, oh, maybe it's like the He-Man episode where, where Skeletor no. is with the kids. But no. <laughs> it's kind of like that, but very bad, very wrong. <laughs> it's maybe the most self-aware Gundam show because it's about a kid who loves Gundam. Like, he loves the toys. He's right. like, heck yeah, Gundam's so cool. Um, and basically, and he's the POV character, but this being a Gundam show, gets into the horrors of war. Um, it's excellent. It, it's the best Gundam show. I've said this. If you watch one Gundam thing, it's this is the one, War in the Pocket. So I'm sorry I didn't make y'all watch it, yet, but it's also kind of not easy to find these days. Mm-hmm. I only, you kind of have to torrent it. You mm. are a pirate. Mm-hmm. You are hard. No, no, I, I have a DVD. Yeah, oh, I you would. The... Yeah, for sure. But everyone I else I own the DVDs, y'all. Do you own the VHSs, though? It probably came out but after others VHS, among us. It? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> We've only watched the first two episodes, maybe three. Um, but, oh my gosh, it's, it's wonderful. It's very uh, nostalgic, as mm-hmm. they would say in Japan. We're in the pocket in Gundam Unicorn. I'm I'm not letting go of summer of Gundam, y'all. I'm still making my summer's wing still Gundam. here. Summer's, summer's never the over. Twentieth of September. Summer's never over. Long after the Zaku's of summer are gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to make up a song that has the Gundam like uh, to uh, Boys of Summer. Oh yeah, don't worry. Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. 
Amuro is already out of reach. <laughs> Boys of Summer was a huge thing in, in Toronto because of uh, the Jays when they were, were winning the World Series back to back. For some reason, that was a song uh, that represented them. Oh, because the Boys of Summer are the baseball yeah. players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. Um, Sardin wants to know, so War in the Pocket would be okay to watch with someone who's never seen Gundam? It's accessible? Um, I think so. It tells a very standalone story and you can pretty quickly pick up the stakes and it doesn't get basically at all into the individual timeline. All of the characters are very self-contained. All you really need to know is, how should I say this? The premise is that uh, a, Z- a Zeon team is trying to blow up a secret uh, prototype. And so they infiltrate mm. a neutral colony and a, a little boy gets mixed up in it in various ways. A little boy who's very into Gundam. And Sounds very Christmas spirity, and it takes place during Christmas too. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's a whole Christmas parade even in it. So it's it's cute. God um, bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. All right. Anyway, that's what I've been playing or watching, I guess. Um, Nadia, what about you? Uh, I've been playing Snowblade Chronicles three as well as like um, I was playing Trails for uh, Pantheon. And I'm playing something else that I can't really talk about. But uh, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was something I played a lot of recently because I got to the end of chapter five and that yeah. alongside the beginning of chapter six ruined my life. So yeah. I had to take a couple days off from that. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? You know what sounds really chill for right now? I'm going to go do the meteor event over in Final Fantasy 14 that commemorates all the people who died in the meteor. I'm going to do that. That's a lot more <laughs> Would cheerful. Would you say you I'm... wanted something a little bit meteor? <laughs> Uh, you hear that, Noah? <laughs> I was the MVP. You were all thinking it. <laughs> oh, oh, dear me. That was, um, that was something. I can't talk about it too much because of spoilers, but it goes pretty darn hard. And I got to say, good. Monolith Soft, like, holy crap, they did such a great job with the facial expressions in this game and the, the body language. Like, just, I can't say more than this, but more protagonists need to freak out i'm just gonna say it. that's it mm, yeah, yeah, yeah that's all i'm gonna say it's such a cool character development moment it reminds me of like i i loved it in mother three when flint loses his mind over his wife like that's just an mm. incredibly mm-hmm. well animated mm-hmm. sequence yeah kind of the same thing happening here in a way but it's just really i when when Xenoblade chronicles 3 was announced i swear to god i said oh no here we go because I'm the biggest apologist for two, and I caught so much crap for that. And so I said, this is going to be another Xenoblade Chronicles 2. There's going to be more waifus. It's going to be a really great game, and everyone's going to hate it anyway, and blah, 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 blah. And then the the the, the reviews come out, and it's like, you know, high 80s, 90s. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I play the game, and as much as I adore 2, and I still do, and I, I just absolutely love how it's linked into 3 as well, it's just almost baffling how much more mature three is and how Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's uh the the writing it is so adult like not quite on the best of final fantasy 14 levels but it 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 is there it is like notable notably good i would say and to see it of all games from xenomite chronicles 3 that's what stuns me like i'm just really impressed by how much monolith soft has grown up and it's not just a matter of the character designs and their writing it's also just the like the performance of the game 
is so good for the Switch, mm-hmm. minus mm-hmm. a couple of hard crashes. Thank you for those. Those are great. But yeah, I'm just blown away. I'm uh, in Chapter 6 now. I think I'm stuck in side quest hell, but I'm still going to go through with it because I'm trying to collect more heroes. Uh, I went to Colony Moo. Oh my god, full of like Irish fae. Just oh, like, yes. Is that with the, the signifier class? The signifier just, class. It's yeah. a great Not class. Not only is that make... the most OP class in the game, but... Oh, it's totally OP. That entire plot line is incredible. It's oh, so just, good. They're so cute. And That's yeah, a and, side uh, quest. That is a completely is a side missable quest. side quest. That's actually what I noticed with a lot with a lot of the game. A lot of the really intense plot points are, are side quests. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff to mm-hmm. do with um, I can't remember what they're called. The Iron Man looking assholes who are like always, uh, you know, tormenting the Mobius. Talking about the Mobius. Mobius. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mobius. Um, but to find out more about them, that's where you do the side mm-hmm. quests, and especially mm-hmm. the ones where it's more about like, hey, here's an actual plot about us versus, ha ha, we're in a theater and you don't know why, right? Like, so. I don't know. I, I'm just quite amazed. Like this is easily like one of my top games of the year, and I'm not finished yet. Like, yeah, to have this for to have Elden Ring for the first half of the year, and then to have this for like the end of the year. It's like, damn, what a what a really cool year this has been for open world RPGs. Michael Hyam was calling it his game of the year uh, when he was playing when he was on the Pantheon episode. He that really is, loves that game. Does not surprise me at all. That definitely yeah. seems yeah. like a Michael Hyam game. That, that is a Michael Hyam game all uh, over. But I, I'm in I was laughing. Four. I'm in oh. chapter four. Ooh. I it's OK. <laughs> it's good. It's good. But you should get to five. Uh, five is where things really pick up. That's what I keep hearing. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say it's picked up by where Cat is at. Like, oh yeah, for me, I mean, it was just, it was the end of chapter just, three in that big fight that happens was where I was like completely locked in. To be clear, it's not a oh when when I say it's good, I actually mean it's bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think it's a very good <laughs> RPG. Yeah. I strongly recommend this RPG. Are you going to play um, more of it on the plane? Like you're going to Japan, yeah, you're going to have a long flight. Yeah, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm committed to this game. I'm going to, I'm going to try and see it through. I like the characters, I like the setting. It's gorgeous. Um, the polycule battle system that is, close. battle system is just okay. I think the battle system is maybe too clever for its own good. Sometimes, yeah, I do. That's Xenoblade. I I like the there's so much nuance and like interesting facets to it. But I also feel like you can frequently just ignore a lot of those and just like stubbornly mash your way through. And obviously that will come to a head when you do some of the late game bosses where they're like level 120 and you can't break that level. But I've been stubbornly mashing away my but like, you know, if I die, I just go ahead and re right. revamp my party a bit and I'm fine. But yeah, um, right. And canceling yeah. attacks feels really good. I love it. does. Yeah. That really, really yeah, that's, well that's what does it for me. I find the chain attacks a little boring, actually a little repetitive. Once once you learn how to really like just completely destroy them, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's the thing is that I'm just doing the dial combo kind of situation that, where I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. Get to the super attack. We're good. Yeah. yeah. It, I'm I'm almost making it more of a challenge for myself by like using that chain attack thing to just wait until the end and then just use that to rack up the overkill bonus. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, like the chain attack, I use it during boss battles, but that's about it. Like it's 
it's there, yeah. but I'd rather like interface with other stuff. And so, yeah, that's where I think it's like a little maybe too clever for its own good. But it's so it's a lot of fun, though, if you are in a tight spot and you're just mashing the, the start button, because as the combo meter fills up and up and it's like, OK, yeah. I am down to a sliver of health. And then boom, you get it. Like, oh, let's you burst here I go. heal. Let's you get all the damage in. Let's yeah, you. Yeah, and you turn everything around. Heal. Yeah. yeah. Buff. Get it's, off a full a smash of combo. Yeah. One thing I really like about the game actually is that it gives you a huge incentive to defeat the legendary monsters by making a, a fast travel point out of them. Making a fast travel point and later on giving you, I won't say specifically how, but giving you a very good incentive to want to go back and fight some of those mm -hmm. earlier ones. Um, I, I was just going to say where I'm at because I'm in like mid chapter six and I am both inundated with so many quests. There are so many side quests, but also I'm enjoying that because I kind of just don't want to be done with the game yet. I'm worried that yeah, I'll same. hit credits when I see credits on a game. That's kind of when I just check out. It's that's very too, rare that I stick around for post. That was me stuff. in Fallout 4. I yeah. didn't want to roll the credits, even though it would have just been like, yeah, it's a game. you come back, you know, pick it up. I'm like, no, no. But then the story will be over and I can't play it anymore. I just mentally check out the second I see credits rolling. I know mm. I'm not going to go back. Yeah, and so that was like, me in Elden Ring for sure. Yeah. Elden Ring, I had to be like, OK, I'm going to make sure I go do the Halley. I think I did the Halley tricks tree stuff before I did the final boss or like I got to the yeah, final so boss and then went back to fight um, Blade and McKella real quick and then jump back to the final boss. Like I was like, I I'm going to make sure I get this done. Xenoblade 3 just rips. I think it might actually be a front runner for my game of the year too. the more I, the sure. more I play it. That's so interesting. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I don't hate it. I, I don't. I, I think it's very, very good. I boy, I just I don't see it as like the best of the year by any long stretch of the imagination. But also, I'm not in chapter six or whatever. So uh, I'll keep pushing through. We'll see. Yeah, there's a, I'm there's... sorry. I, I want to be more. I don't want to be a killjoy. I don't want to be. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm just broken. It just days. just but, just vibe with it. That's that. That's that has what I'm been trying my to do. Advice yeah. to everybody. It was this with immortality with Xenoblade. This is a good year. Sis and sleeper is another one. A good year yeah, for no. like vibe games. Like just kind of mm, like I agree. hang out. Just like, you know, be in a cool place for a little bit. Definitely give it more of a. Are you bringing your Steam Deck to Japan or just your switch? Just my switch. I would just play it on the plane and yeah. you might find you'll enjoy do. it like it'll yeah. help you wind down. Yeah, no, I'm I'll have my headphones. I'll, I'll put it on. I like the music. It's very nice. Oh, music's it, great. It, it it won me. It won me over. Like, I think um, I think a game has to work a little hard to win me over in some ways. That's fair. Um, yeah. And it so, yeah, won me over made me want to keep playing. So mm -hmm. I think that alone is a huge mark in its favor in so many ways. The soundtrack is another point of maturity. Like I absolutely adore, mm. adore Xenoblade Chronicles Two soundtrack. But God, See, it the, is the, the word mature. All over the place. The word mature is what I'm constantly at ads with because I would not describe what I have played as mature, like by most stretch of the match. It's kind of well, shown in anime. The, I was talking about the the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, which yeah. Mitsuda is very. Whereas in two, he was all over the place, and it, you know the game rocks for it. I don't think the music in in three hit me 
until a certain part in the, at the end of chapter five. Yeah. And it's just like, bam. And yeah. you probably know what I'm talking about, Eric. I'll confirm yeah. with you later. But it's just like, <laughs> suddenly my heart was just like, <gasps> and um, there certainly is the, the, I know what you mean by saying, oh, it's not really mature, although it is certainly more mature than two, but there is a, there's a, there's a way to the characters and the way they are and why the way they are. And you learn everything and suddenly everything becomes more clear and you realize, okay, these kids have some real things to work through. A really surprising early moment for me uh, was the scene where it is right after all the chapter three stuff. And I think you're going through. So it's right before you meet Juniper's colony. Yeah. And it's where they all stop and they're looking up at the moon. And Noah like says that thing that's like, the moon like doesn't actually mean anything, but we give it significance. It means yeah. something to us. And so maybe in that way, even our lives, if they don't mean anything to the world, if every single one of us dies off and it doesn't mean anything, we mean something to each other. And so we can mm-hmm. give each other that significance. And I was like, damn. Yeah, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just a lot of little moments like that, that I get caught by that. I'm like, huh? It is like, it is absolutely like, oh yeah, like this. Yeah. Like Spire says in the chat, it is like 101 writing. It's, I'm not saying this is disco Elysium or anything like that, but it's delivered in a very heartfelt manner. And it's also used to inform a lot of these characters and build them up as like the, the things that they are and how they grow over time. I thought a lot of the stuff with uni in chapter like three through four was really, really good um, after she has that kind of post-traumatic stress moment and has to kind of Mm -hmm. deal with having anxiety on the battlefield and stuff. And like the way that they very subtly communicate tie on noticing that. And it's it's some really good stuff. Um, It's like I said, I'm trying to avoid big story spoilers. (laughs) It's like I said on Twitter, it's you can use the shown all the shonen anime tropes that you want. It's how you write them that really matters. Because I mean, uh, a lot of the best plot points I see in the best written RPGs is like, okay, I, I literally saw this in Mega Man Battle Network 6 like 20 years ago. And I know yeah. that got it from like Ultraman or something. But it's not a matter of, okay, this is so well used. This is so overdone. It's a matter of how is it written? How are the characters reacting to this? How does it uh, affect, how does it like relate to me as an adult? Because certain messages, certain themes never change no matter how old you are. Mm -hmm. It's just how they are presented to you. Yeah, I think this game actually reminds me a lot of Shadowbringers in a way. Yeah, for sure. And I would actually say that Shadowbringers is not a complex story. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. It's not a complex story. It's like there are some twists and stuff, but it is pretty straightforward but it's the way they deliver it and the way they write it and and lines like you know remember us and stuff like that that like really made that expansion click in a way that like stormblood which i think is a smarter story but was not delivered with the same just heft that shadowbringers had um like that's Xenoblade three for me i think it's delivering in a way that feels like they understand how to really get the emotions of the story across and the emotions of the words and not just the, the raw concepts that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm, so exactly. yeah, I, I love it. Listen to Eric and Nadia folks. <laughs> 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 I mean, they're, they're the ones that I think uh, a lot of people's sentiments are echoed by that. 
good RPG. It's why we bring it up every single week at this point. Oh, so. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but now I think it's time for a series of random encounters. There was a brand new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer, and hey, they took away grinding in their own way by introducing auto battles. So um, I, uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. Also, they convinced a new Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet uh, Nintendo Switch OLED and uh, oh, a host of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks very good. Also, free-to-play hero shooter Gundam Evolution hits PC on September 21st. Deltarune's next chapter won't be out this year. Sorry, folks. Sorry, Nadia. <laughs> I never... I, I didn't like Deltarune, so it's all right. <laughs> wow, you didn't you didn't. Oh, like we're going to beef about that later. <laughs> Not that I didn't dislike I it. Imran I just... was saying that... Del- I think Imran was making noises about Deltarune being a bigger deal than Mother. I'm like, hold on a second, uh, Mother Four. There's a oh, whole oh, like mm, I don't no, I don't want to get into it completely right that. now, but like it's just I saw Deltarune's characters the first time. Undertale hit me really really hard. Wow, I love these characters. Wow, I love sounds. I love this character. I love that character. And then to see them all in another context, it's like. You, you had me the first time. I don't really want to hang out with you again. It's not like Majora's Mask where it's done really weirdly, but uh, I don't know. It just didn't grab me the second time around. We can save discussion for the post show, but I will just say this. Y'all will always be surprised by how many Undertale fans there are out there. There are millions. Oh, I'm not, I, I'm not oh, yeah. millions more than you think. Yes, truly. Uh in the meantime, there are also millions of Cyberpunk 2077 fans, uh, much to Eric's chagrin. And the new expansion is Phantom Liberty. CDPR confirmed that it is the only planned expansion for Cyberpunk 2077, which, by the way, is no longer being uh, uh, developed to support PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And I got, a, I got an Edge Runners, um, a piece of Edge Runners content. As well, like a kind of yeah. to celebrate the new anime. Uh, meanwhile, Eric continues to be tormented by this game. How are you doing over there, Eric? I I'm happy that it's like targeting 2023, and I'm betting like a late 2023. If you were a betting person, because uh, that means that we won't have to cover it for Norm DFM. So Yay. hallelujah. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe I I could. I could see a world where this comes out. The cyberpunk like, you know, re uh, evaluation train has long left the station. And there are a lot of people crawling out of the woodwork saying, oh, patch 1.5 came out. It's the game that it was always meant to be. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, but even still, the game it could have been was always what I've learned is (laughs) they needed to redo the battle system. The battle system is a big problem. Yeah, they're that game. They were like, we're going to rework the cops. And I was like, yeah, that was definitely the problem with cyberpunk was that the cops <laughs> weren't around enough. Yeah. The cops weren't Did they fix the exploding cars? Randomly you know what we need in our cars? cyberpunk game? Some would say that's cops. not a fix. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Kotaku's Mike Fahey passed away this week at age 49. Acts of Blood God wants to convey its support to his uh, his family. And um, sure. I didn't know Mike Fahey 
but I've seen his work um, on Kotaku mm-hmm. for a very long time. Always seemed like a, a class act and uh, will very much be missed. Yeah, I uh, I worked with Fei for about uh, it would have been about a year and a half when I was at Compete. Mm-hmm. Never really got to work with him very often because I was on the esports side. He was on the gaming side, but mm. the, the light of slack every time he logged on and uh, yeah, all the love and support we can send uh, truly an incredible writer with an incredible legacy. He left behind in, in online blogging that just can't be stressed enough. Uh, go read Kotaku's uh, blog on it to just, get a sense of how impactful he was as a person because mm-hmm. he, he really, really was. Yeah. Oh, like they, he's been a, with, had been with Kotaku for a very long time and it just goes to show that, you know, life, um, who knows, but, uh, yeah, again, all of our love to and support to Mike Fahey's family. now to talk about our main topic which is the fall rpg preview there's a lot of rpgs coming out uh this holiday season some of them really good i want to talk about all of them right here on acts of blood god and um just to uh, some major highlights that i would like to highlight for all of y'all uh, coming up in September, we have Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero, which is a perfect companion if you've been playing our monthly game club for Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. We also have a Valkyrie Elysium on September 29th, which fuck, I want it to be good. I want it to be good. <laughs> Seriously. I, I think we can, we can at least hope that it will be good. I think there is a chance. Nier Automata will be coming to number, Nintendo Switch on October 6th. Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope will be out October 20th. Persona 5 Royal will be arriving on Switch on October 21st. Star Ocean The Divine Force on October 27th. But arguably uh, the big one is, of course, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet on November 18th for Nintendo Switch. A lot of Nintendo Switch stuff on here. Um, As usual. And I ask... Or anything that especially jumps out at you as maybe something that you find particularly exciting. I'll start with you, Eric. Oh, there's actually a lot of really niche interests of mine that are getting targeted this fall. So I'm very excited. Uh, Harvestella is one that I'm pretty interested in as a mm-hmm. Square Enix take on the Rune Factory idea of what if we did farm life meets you know, dungeon crawling, brawling, fighting things, leveling up job classes, that sort of thing. And I think that one has promise. It has some ideas. I do, you know, previously I was talking about Disney Dreamlight Valley in here. And one of the reasons why I'm not too worried about burning myself out on that is that while I think Dreamlight Valley is more of an Animal Crossing type game, uh, Harvestella looks very stardew valley slash rune factory where it is kind of your farming during the day you know you wake up 
you have kind of the day night cycle, you have seasons, you wake up, you do your, your farming, your watering, your crop management, and then you head off to a dungeon and you go do some mm-hmm. stuff uh, there. And it's, so it's kind of a half farming, half RPG. Uh, and I really, one of my favorite games on the 3DS was Rune Factory 4. I really, really like that game. And so Rune Factory 5 was kind of a bummer in that respect. <laughs> and oh, was it? I'm interested to see somebody take a stab at that system and bringing it into the full 3D space. Nobody liked Rune Factory 5. Yeah, it no, seemed like it just kind no. of fizzled. That's too. I don't really know. I, I played 4 on the Switch, and I really enjoyed that. I thought it was like an Four's interesting game. But, good. Yeah. But I didn't play 5 because I heard like all this, eh, it's okay. And around the same time, there was another great game that was out, so I didn't play it. But yeah. Yeah, I I mean, five, I've only played like a little bit of, I want to say I like demoed it somewhere and I was just like, yep, this is not what I'm looking for. But that's too bad. Uh, Harvestella, I think, again, other companies taking swings at this stuff might make it a little bit more interesting, add a little bit more. I really like some of the stuff they're doing with job classes. I think Square Enix having an RPG background could really bring stuff in because that was one aspect of Rune Factory 4. You kind of had companions and Harvestella will have companions as well that you can take into the dungeons and do stuff with. But I think tying it into the story a little bit more naturally and also giving yeah. you the character more expression for how you want to do combat. Because in Rune Factory 4, the combat is all just one giant memory blot for me. I just remember running around and like swinging my sword. Swinging sword, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and... I, I'm interested in a game that tries to tackle having a more interesting, nuanced combat system, job system, all that kind of stuff. So maybe Square Enix can really deliver on that front and and find equal footing there. And then Tactics Ogre, also a big one. Mm-hmm. I, I I know the graphics don't look great. They look very smooth, but uh, I really want it like triangle strategy gave me the taste for some good proper tactics in my life. And I want, especially the tactics ogre type of tactics where everybody's sad and angry and speaking in Shakespearean and like nothing's, nothing's happy in tactics ogre. There's no, all that, all that cheer in Xenoblade three, get rid of that. But this is like the saddest game you've ever played. Like I want that. So, uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that comes together as well. It's a really Square Enix heavy lineup looking at this fall. Honestly, they, they're just throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, which I'm pretty OK with. Like as long as some of it at least is all right. Square Enix, we made too many tactics games. Just get them all out. I don't care at this point. It's wild because so, I mean, September, they've got the Diofield Chronicles, which looks kind of interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued in it. Uh, I like the preview that I played. Uh, and none of you commented on what I wrote in the notes. I'm very disappointed in both of you. Well, I was looking for the notes, but all I found was Dio. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's uh, like Diofield looks cool, but then they've, they've also got another one of those voice of cards coming out. Yeah. Like, they, Beast of Burden or something. Those are just like flying out of a machine that I think they have somewhere because this is the third one they've done. And Taro is a machine confirmed. We yeah, all know it. I, I don't have like hugely high hopes for it, but it'll probably be fine. It's it's got like monster taming this time around. So who knows? But like they've got those two plus Valkyrie. Did you say Elysium. that there's monster taming monster seeds. 
This is monster, monster taming. We have planted the monster seeds and now we are monster reaping. Um, like <laughs> September has September has three, arguably four Square Enix games coming out. If you count both Val- Valkyrie Elysium and the Lenneth port to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. And then you have uh, shoot Star Ocean. You have Harvest Stella. You have Tactics Ogre Reborn. It is a very square heavy fall in a way that I'm like, I, I'm not saying they need to delay anything, but I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, y'all don't want to delay anything. Like y'all don't want to move. They're anything? just trying to get everything out of the way of Forspoken. They're clear game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. They're just really trying to clear the field for that one. <laughs> Forspoken to give it's time to shine. That's all I got to say. Is that coming out this year or was it delayed? No, it's it delayed next into year. next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, so that's why they're bringing out all this smaller stuff. Like, please just make us a profit. Get out the door. Thank you. Before I pass yeah. the baton, I have one on this list that uh, I think is kind of interesting. And I keep being more interested in the more I hear about it. And that's One Piece Odyssey, which mm. is the it's quite pretty. Yeah, it it's it's Bandai Namco's like, from what I understand, turn based RPG version of One Piece. And, and to be upfront. I am not a One Piece fan. I do not like One mm-hmm. Piece. I will never watch One Piece. I'm not going to read One Piece either. It's too long. And I have so much other things I want to do with my time. But give me the short version in a turn-based RPG. And now we're talking. <laughs> now right. we've got a dialogue going. And I think it was on Inverse. I saw somebody... Uh, come out of packs with a really strong impression of one piece odyssey and so i i'm cautiously optimistic about this it could be kind of interesting i i like that companies are making more turn-based rpgs like we had the yakuza devs making one and bandai namco's getting in on it and i i like that we're getting some form of classic quote-unquote rpg style but also I don't know. One piece is stylish and fun and they could do some wacky stuff with that. That could be neat to watch. I know that monkey DeLuffy guy loves to stretch his arms. He's like Mr. Fantastic. I think that's, yeah, that is what I know. Armstrong. Yeah. That's what Full I know of, of one piece is that the main character is kind of like Mr. Fantastic from the fantastic four and they're all pirates. That's the extent of my one piece knowledge. So he's Reed Richards. Yes. Yeah. 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 I am also not a One Piece uh, fan, so you're in good company. But I'm not a fan of anything, it turns out. So, um, <laughs> Except Valkyrie Profile, which is one of actually my most anticipated games. Um, I'm full back. I'm all in. Much as with the Minnesota Vikings, who kick off this weekend. Um, <laughs> by the time you listen to this episode, we'll know how they did. Oh. <laughs> I've, there's no doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to play Valkyrie Elysium. I I'm hopeful it'll be good. Uh, there, it's being made by Solail Solail, mm-hmm. um, who worked on a Samurai Jack game that was actually pretty good. Uh, they don't have a ton of pedigree, but the last trailer was really nice looking. Yeah, it looked a lot better than the first one. Sure did, and I'm just like I don't know. Could be a sleeper hit. Could be. Uh, could it be the near automata of this year? I no, go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Absolutely. But <laughs> I was thinking more like the Act Razor remake, which was uh, hmm. it looked bad, but when I played it, I was like, "Oh, this is actually really good. I like this." 
Um, unfortunately, Trails of Zero from Zero is right on top of it. I'm also intrigued by that one. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to prioritize. Probably Valkyrie Elysium if it's good enough. I would think Valkyrie Elysium you do first because that won't take you 5,000 hours the way that Trails from Zero will. Yeah. 5,000 yeah. hours. I mean, let's yeah. be honest with ourselves here. Yeah, yeah I think Elysium is probably going to be quite a bit shorter. Trails from Zero is going to be going to be a long one long. Yeah. <laughs> trails from trails in the sky kind of uh i don't know gave me a little bit of a taste a taste of uh of the broader world of that world the kiseki world and it's a uh, very interesting world yeah and this is i believe the beginning of the crossbell duology so something I... like that i was actually wondering like uh i haven't finished uh the like I didn't do four for Trails of Cold Steel, and so I'm wondering if that matters, but I highly doubt it matters. It's probably its own thing, like on top of the other I lore, which you can which you can it, get if you follow yeah. along. Yeah, I think it takes place before Cold Steel, if I'm right. Oh, okay, interesting. I'll I'll double check that real quick, but I, think I was that's just right. saying I like Cold Steel because I like trains, and well, trains, trains, trains was all about Cold Steel. She's uh, Nadia secretly selfie from Final Fantasy VIII. So <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Selfie was what yeah. she sang the train yeah. song. Sang the train song. Yeah, train, yeah, train, I, train. They need to do a Final Fantasy VIII remake just so that we can get a fully voiced version of the train song. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's a I'd good be idea. Into it. Yeah. Um, I will not be playing Persona Five Royal, um, because I still need to finish Persona Five. Fit, yeah. <laughs> on my PS4. I'm kind of intrigued. Okay. Star Ocean the Divine Force, a game we've barely talked about on this podcast. For good I don't reason. think it's gonna be <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be a sleeper hit at all. Um, It'll have its fans for sure. Oh yeah, you know, there's plenty of Star Ocean fans um out there. It's hard for me to imagine any situation where it pulls a Xenoblade, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it has what I'm getting. I I, I was watching trailers for it. The characters look nice in that kind of um, anime doll kind of way. Um, there's a robot named cool. D-U-M-A. He he helps the fighting. Uh, it seems like it leans a lot more into the sci-fi um, mm-hmm. aspects of, of Star Ocean in many ways. So, yeah. Um, I just... It's been kind of zero hype for this one. And um, outside of a, a tiny core of people... But I really want, uh, I kind of want this one to succeed. I want Star Ocean to level up, as it were, because it is a mm-hmm. historic, it's a historic franchise. It is. Maybe it deserves sure. better. Yeah, I just, every time I've seen it, it hasn't really done anything for me. It feels very, like maybe it's because we're in a year where we have games like Elden Ring and Xenoblade Chronicles 3 bookending, but there is so much high level stuff and nothing in star ocean has really leapt out at me to be like, this is the reason you got to play this. Like mm-hmm. even, even Valkyrie Elysium, for example, I honestly, who, who could say, but it's got the Valkyrie stuff in it. I like, I like Valkyrie profile. I could be down for that, but star ocean doesn't have any pull for me in particular and everything I've seen of it. I just haven't, 
nothing's grabbed me yet and it's right in the middle smack dab between a lot of really big games yeah. so i look at that and i'm like uh i don't i don't know maybe this isn't one that i i hop on the train for maybe i save my time for harvestella one week later baby let's go there you go <laughs> hey matoy sakuraba is going to be involved and you worked on valkyrie profile so there's your valkyrie profile connection. there we go there we go it's going to be on game pass probably so it'll be a nice little uh that kind of game should be a nintendo switch imo no for sure like i might give it a look if it's on game pass but i don't really play the xbox much so i don't know have to see don't turn on the old xbox huh you know i Not just got much. a back backbone controller for some reason mm-hmm. um, oh, really so i was trying out the the cloud gaming um it was kind of neat actually i was um playing xbox cloud game pass games um and so i fired up yakuza like a dragon so i was like mm. well i could play yakuza like a dragon on my phone but the the lag was too much for the most part. yeah so. unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. Cloud gaming did. man i can overlook a lot but if there's like if the screen's breaking up and there's like major mm-hmm. input delay i'm yeah. like uh oh, no <laughs> yeah, yeah even for an rpg that's too annoying that's where i think we're just not there yet it'll be another like five ten years before we really see like widespread adoption on that but it was cool to boot up x cloud our infrastructure our infrastructure is falling apart if anything it's going to get worse yeah yeah um it's always there's always options for people who want to pay a lot of money yes those people who have money what a concept yeah um and then beyond that i I mean, come on. The most, my most anticipated, my most anticipated RPG is definitely Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. That's it's a heavy hitter coming on Nintendo Switch. And I think the thing that stands out to me the most is its co op. I think mm-hmm. it's a great idea. It's a long time coming. Um, I've already got multiple of my friends interested in it. And for a social game, I'm actually kind of surprised that it hasn't been more of a thing, honestly. Yes, you can play along with your friends and trade with them and battle with them, but your own world was always kind of a little more distinct, a little more yeah. siloed off, I want to say. Yeah. So having com- co-op be a major component to it really sparks my interest with this one. So, uh, And as usual, it'll be a big deal, and if it's good, it'll do extremely well. I... I no doubt about it. I want to be. I want to get back into Pokemon. I want to have a reason to love Pokemon again after being burned out on it like a hundred times. So for me, uh, my most anticipated RPG is definitely Scarlet and Violet, and my sleeper, I think, would probably be either Trails from Zero or um, Valkyrie Elysium. If Valkyrie Elysium ends up being good, how about you, Nadia? So you guys have already named most of the games I'm looking forward to. Harvest Dell is definitely one. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet for sure. Uh, the multiplayer aspect to me is very interesting because I feel like Pokemon really started to latch on to something when you had everyone on the wild area of Sword and Shield. I remember seeing that the first time, and even though it looked kind of like, you know, clumsy because it's Game Freak, there was something really compelling about like looking at other people's profiles and like giving them gifts and stuff like that, like you seeing their glam and that was fun mm-hmm. and i'm looking forward to doing it in a more advanced way with with scarlet and violet and it looks more like 
Game Freak has a handle on things as much as I did love Sword and Shield for all its new ideas. Like these look like it's going to be like, okay, here's our ideas in the old game. And now we're just kind of working on them and Hey everyone, we finally got the hang of the console generation. Oh, we're moving on, I guess. But you know, game freak's going to game freak. Um, trails from zero. I keep forgetting that's coming out. I can't believe that, but that is definitely one that is on my radar. Uh, again, I, don't think you have to really be like steeped in the knowledge of every single Trails game to really get it, especially since we're starting over with a new sub uh, plot. But um, so I'll, I'll kind of deal with that. Uh, looking at the list, it's I'm thinking, OK, should I go for Persona 5 Royal on the Switch? I, I'm going to be stupid and probably say yes. Whether or not I finish <laughs> Again? it. Again? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another question. How do you're um, a mad woman? Oh, my God. I know. I just love but it's Persona, Persona 5. 5 on the Switch. I mean, exactly. yes. I mean, there's a part of me that's going, come on, cat. Are you going to start over? Are you going to start Are you over? Like the tractor, the tractor from Switch. The but I, I, I want to play Xenoblade Chronicles. I want to finish Xenoblade Chronicles. And I, it may take me until October to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. Dragon Quest Treasures is one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. That's coming out in December. So that's very end of the year. But. Um, it's not officially like, hey, this is Monster Hunter Joker, uh, not Monster Hunter, like Dragon Quest Monsters Joker or anything like that, but it is kind of the, the spiritual successor to that series, which it's is a great series. It's an action RPG though, right? I think so. Um, yeah. Still looking Eric forward to it. Eric and his sister hunting treasure? Yeah. I'm sure that'll go well for That the really two confused me for a second. It's gonna be great. I was like, yeah, my, gonna... me and my sister are doing what? Yeah. <laughs> They made a That's video game about our treasure hunt. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am looking forward to that, though. It looks very cute. And I do I do like the fact he gets to play as Eric and his sister. Um, it'll go well for them. They're, they're great kids. Everything's going to go perfectly. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Who doesn't want to play as Eric in an RPG? That's what I say. He can I use don't. boomerangs. I'm not sneezing. I'm not sneezing at that. We've been over this. I don't self insert. I want to play somebody else. I'm playing a fantasy RPG. I'm not playing the Eric RPG. I want to be something different. <laughs> this is Eric with a K, Eric with a C. Oh, okay. That is that is actually when I want to feel fancy and different, I do spell my name with a K. So that's when I'm going that's undercover. Confusing. You know. <laughs> You're going undercover. <laughs> it's my spy name. Don't tell anybody. You put um, on your sunglasses. No, you're mistaken. I'm yeah, Eric with a K. Put on a fake mustache and say Eric with a K. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to shout out a few like missing in action games so rpgs that we don't have a release date for and this late in the game who's to say but uh atomic heart is one that is theoretically still 2022 and that i've been isn't that winter is that later yeah it's like late they're they're literally being like look we are 2022 but like razor's edge 2022 Mm. (laughs) and it's not an rpg look do you think bioshock's an rpg no <laughs> I don't Absolutely know. not. I don't know. It's a shoot. It's a shooter. What are you talking do, about, do man? Do you purchase abilities from a vendor that you then slot it's into a shooter? Do you get it's drops from from enemies? Do you? It's a shooter. It's more of an adventure Pull out shooter. Lens, kind of like uh, criteria. It's a survival. It it's borderline a survival horror shooter. Okay. Okay. Fine. Then I won't talk about Advance Wars any either. But Advance oh, Wars isn't Advance an Wars. RPG either, man. Look, the, the tanks game. are real to me, but uh, the tanks are real to me, man. Crisis Core is in like a weird, so it's like supposed to be 
holiday. Right. 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 Out this Who's year. That's to a say? big one. I mean, it's a holiday, so Square could easily be like, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is a holiday we love to celebrate. They'll probably announce, that. They'll probably announce it during TGS? Question mark. Yeah. So some That's of true. these that I'm going yeah. through, I'm looking at and being like, One Piece is one where I think I would not be surprised to see a release date for that at uh, TGS because Bandai Namco does have a stream there, and it's One Piece and. It's one piece, but uh, yeah, Crisis Core <laughs> yeah. is still kind of in a weird place. So is Front Mission Remake. Where is yeah, that? Can real. we please well, get something for TGS? You know what we need from Square Enix? More tactics games. Yes. Yeah. It is the year of <laughs> tactics. We really? we are going for for gluttony. We we are you here are ruining the year feast. of tactics, Square Enix. Come on. The, the year of tactics with a side helping of life sim. Okay us us sickos get to feast for a year um but that's that's a weird one pentiment i would also say is is in that oh bar of like kind of kind of being an rpg they they have said it is very much a narrative adventure game that has rpg elements but it is a narrative game but i think that game uh-huh. looks real real good so it's like that's t- a, disco elysium with an appreciation for art yeah, yeah. What if Disco Elysium, but for art history nerds? And I'm into that. So we already had it looks neat FMV game for film history nerds with immortality. So let the nerds have their time. Uh, and then there's another one I had marked here that I cannot remember. And this is great. Great. Oh, WrestleQuest is supposed to be this year. Oh, yeah. And oh, I think that game looks neat. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if that gets delayed, but I would like to play that game because I like wrestling RPG with Paper Mario type stuff. There's a lot yeah, of little sure. games. Like I just heard about one called The Outbound Ghost, which is like a passion project that someone made. It's literally a Paper Mario style RPG, but it's about a ghost who helps other ghosts move on to the afterlife. And it looks just super Paper Mario and it's got like an adorable design and, and a great battle system from the look of it. It's coming out in like a week. So there's a lot of little stuff that always pops up and surprises you. And you're like, oh, hey, it's kind of neat. But yeah. uh, shout outs to the ones that are still drifting along. Just give me give me front mission. I just want mechs They're like Xenoblade has mechs, but not crunchy enough mechs i need not the big, blocky mechs yeah i need like big hefty mechs you know you, you need duplo mechs exactly i want the ones that like when they fall it's an event you know not the ones that they fall and they do like an anime backflip and they're like haha that was part of my plan like no i want i want the ones that fall and like take down a city block with them like 13 sentinels real talk 13 oh. sentinels had great chunky mechs like big chunky mech designs like, i, don't I care loved about it mechs, but damn that was cool like campbell's chunky mechs yes campbell's exactly chunky it. mechs <laughs> i i'm so i'm so persnickety because i i will see a mech fall down in the middle of a city i'm like god what a mess this is making this is horrible <laughs> Am I exactly who's, gonna, who's yeah. gonna clean that up no, you should see it and be like, oh, my God, this is horrible. I love it. Like, that's that's the right way to think about it. Like, this is a terrible crime that's happening, but it looks really cool. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. why I like the me- my mech battles in space, because they're not messing things up. As much. I just, this is a real space, thing for me. Please bear with terrifying. me. <laughs> Well, well, space, like, I see what you mean. Like, it's not destroying the environment. There's nothing to really destroy in space except 
we shouldn't be leaving space Spaceships. garbage everywhere. Where do you think all There's... the carnage from space is going? Earth has a gravitational pull. <laughs> In Gundam Unicorn, there's a great moment where a Xeon ship uses a grappling hook to attach to the Argama's catapult. And then they're like, get that thing off the Argama. And it's like just completely messing things up. And then more mechs land on it. And there's a three-way battle between all of them. And um, I think that's a great example of coming up with clever ways to do space battles which is what I'm saying is Gundam Unicorn is pretty great. Also, it's a yeah, low-key yeah. shout-out to War in the Pocket. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the fall RPG preview. And, hey, we're going to keep talking about it some more in the Acts of the Blood God post-show. So don't go away for that. But now it's time for Autumn of Avatar. This is just a reminder, by the way, that Autumn of Avatar, we will be talking spoilers. This is our episode by episode watch. We've been, we're watching through book one right now. And we're on book one, episode seven through episode 11, where we got our first two-parter, the winter solstice two-parter. And, uh, well, Nadia, you're watching for the, is this your first time watching uh, Autumn of Avatar? Yes, but I, I, I screwed up. Um, I, you screwed I, up. I, I have watched the, the Solstice episode, but I thought that instead of like, oh, okay, it's episode one through six, I thought, oh, it's episode one and six. Like, I misread what? the guide. <laughs> yeah. Nadia told me this before you got on, Kat, and I was laughing for like a solid five minutes. <laughs> yeah. one, episodes one and six. What well, do I don't want? know. Like I was saying, I thought it was like kind of episodic the way like we did Cowboy Bebop. Like these episodes are the ones that are really important. Here's the more filler episodes, but they're still kind of important in their own way. I was thinking like these are the story I mean, episode six, I recall being kind of important. No, episode three was the important one. Well, episode, Nadia, based on your watch of episodes one and six, what do you think so far? Of episodes one, one, six, six seven, and eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I like it. But it does kind of remind me that I was a little bit too old for it when I when it mm. first came mm-hmm. out. Like it definitely has a little bit of a childishness to it, childishness. Yeah. yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. And I yeah. do understand it gets a little more mature as it goes on. But it's a very interesting presentation for me because I think that when it came out, there just wasn't much in the way of serialized kids cartoons made in the West. And this was what year was Avatar? 2007 produced. yeah yeah so that would have been like okay well we've got our influence from the anime glut that came out around pokemon we're growing up now we're gonna especially start especially like, a tsunami which by the way yes. you listen to our tsunami yeah uh, retrospective tsunami so yeah, it's, ex- no. it's extremely mm-hmm. interesting for that reason like although i will say i was i was thinking about this as i watched the as i watched avatar today you're all gonna laugh at me did you watch the teddy ruxman cartoon as a kid the what? No. The Teddy Ruxpin? Do you know what a Teddy Ruxpin is? I know what a Teddy Eric? Ruxpin is. Okay, good. Eric there was born in the 90s. Come I on, I know Nadia. what a Teddy Ruxpin is. Okay, good. You he doesn't worry. know what a Teddy Ruxpin is. I got I one in the hospital. I know what a Teddy Ruxpin is. But the point is, there was a cartoon, and for some crazy-ass reason, I will never understand and ask anyone who my age, they'll say the same thing. It was, a, not serialized, it was um, a continuing story, and was something so you never serialized. got. 
Oh, so it was a serialized. Okay, so that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yes. So it was serialized, and it's like Teddy Goddamn Ruxpin has like an RPG plot going on over here. Like, what is wrong with Planet Earth right now? So it kind of reminded me of that. Like, obviously Teddy Ruxpin did it first, but here's Avatar doing it arguably much better, of course. But yeah, arguably. I think yeah. <laughs> We should do the Look, uh, Teddy Ruxpin doesn't mess around. All right. Grumpy doesn't of, mess around. Never mind Ruxpin. The winter of Teddy. Winter of Ruxpin. Winter of Teddy Ruxpin. Come on, let's do it. Winter of Ruxpin. When I, when I was a kid, we used to put like God. Metallica tapes in the Teddy Ruxpin or like Bon Jovi slipper when wet. But uh, yeah, so my basic opinion is it's definitely great. Has the seeds of like, okay, this is a, I really understand why this was popular at the time. But there are certain quite childish moments that are like okay like i wasn't 13 when i was watching this the first time around so soka is still such a piss baby sorry soka Soka in this in this batch of episodes he gets some character growth that i think he's 10 percent better Um, yeah and katara katara gets to be a little immature as well in this batch of episodes it's it's important Um, that they all have their foibles they all have you gotta their, love their problems yeah you gotta love the star trek-esque uh life lessons episode where they're like these two factions really hate each other and mm-hmm. here's our very heavy-handed visual depiction of the the actual argument and the conflict um i i did kind of appreciate that um ang just totally finds a way to diffuse it and they're not very smart so they just kind of buy his story they need to do some fact checking. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting out of this. The thing I like about that episode is that Ang at the end is like, "No, nah, I just straight up lied. <laughs> like, I made that story up. Look, we needed to get people out of the canyon, so we needed to get this done with." So, the Winter Solstice two-parter was by far the strongest, I think, mm-hmm. um, of this yeah. batch of episodes. It. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Um. Well, I mean, it really deepens the lore, I want to say. And uh, uh, I continue to really like the the villains, actually. I think a mm-hmm. good story can be driven by its villains. I like um, the prince, Prince Shizor, whatever his name is. Prince um, <laughs> Wasn't that Shadow Zuko. <laughs> Zuko. And yes. um, Zuko, his, his uncle, Gen- General Eeyore. thanks for noticing Uh, me i put some respect on general iroh's name (laughs) ira is that his name iroh iroh the scene where he's in the tub and he just kind of stands up is like nope sit back down i'm gonna get you in half an hour that's funny zuko and iroh are a constant highlight of this show seriously they're fan favorites for a reason um no they're terrific and the the way it, reason it works is that it's not just Zuko going, oh, you meddling avatar, I'll get you. Like he has very well defined motivations, daddy issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. B- big time daddy issues, and he's following his own arc, and you're mm-hmm. kind of invested in it. And he gets some wins as well mm-hmm. within the Fire Nation. And um, Iroh is very likable. I think um, if Zuko didn't have Iroh with him, he would be kind of unbearable. Mm-hmm. Um, Iroh mm-hmm. is obviously trying to teach Zuko patience, I want to say, by doing things like, whoops, I forgot my lotus thingy, my lotus yeah. chip. Guess we're just going to have to go to the market. Sorry. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Because Zuko is just like the height of impatience. If anything, they have a more interesting arc right now than uh, than the heroes. Though, 
Yeah, I really I like Aang. Aang is great. Aang Aang's is cute. Mm-hmm. I, I love that Aang has two animal companions. Mm-hmm. Aang is like, this is such a video game. This is such an RPG in so yes, many ways. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Something that I noticed in this batch of episodes, um, it's it's a Western anime. I like that it doesn't go yeah. to the speed lines very often. No, um, no. During the actual battle sequences, they have a lot of visually interesting and unique moments uh, of Aang using his powers to do various like things. Mm-hmm. And um, I can only think of one time where it actually resorted to the speed lines because so often they'll just be like, uh, yeah, no, he's doing an attack and we're just going to reuse this footage and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Avatar almost never does that. Yeah. Yeah, there is. So one of the cool things that I noticed on my rewatch of this is one, how they introduce the idea of Katara being a waterbender. But then obviously she has the big conflict of being annoyed with Aang, that Aang is like a natural that this is kind of a thing for Aang is that he is Mm. a naturally gifted learner. He is naturally Mm. good at bending, uh, likely stemming from his already like extreme mastery over wind and air. Uh, So he kind of understands the methodology behind bending. And so he's just applying it to different elements. And and you'll kind of see how that change and and wanes a little bit. Don't worry, we'll get there. But um, I I love seeing Katara develop her own fighting style. If you watch these episodes, you really see her start to, you know, she learns the water whip and she struggles with it at first. But by the last episode we get to, she's carrying a flask around with her that she's basically going to have for the rest of the series. That is basically like her weapon is pulling the water out of the flask and, and whipping it around and stuff like that. And you get to see her get more confident in each successive fight learning to use that at first she's kind of fumbling or she does a whip but it's not really like it's kind of just a splash but by the end you hear like the whip crack of the water Mm -hmm. and stuff and you're like whoa like katara's getting very good at water bending like she's mastering this and it it's cool to see them not even really draw attention to it just like kind of inform things i find that avatar is really good at telling story through the fights and conveying even just a character's personality and even a character's growth through the way that they fight uh, in any given scene. I actually went back to watch an old fight scene that's from the end of the series. I was amazed seeing how that's communicated. But yeah, in these in these episodes, I like how they do that through the battles and really show that like Katara is gaining mastery. Um, I also dug like the Jet episode, like surprised me a little bit. Was very much mm. like oh. Like Jet is an interesting character. I think it definitely has some of that level of like they're kind of trying to show like Osaka's fallible, but Katara's oh fallible. And I so I so I called that one as soon as they meets uh, Jet. Yeah. In the yeah. in his Ewok village, I was just like, oh yeah, he's gonna turn out to be he's gonna turn out to be evil, and he was just an extremist, right? So. Which which is fine, actually. Uh, Jet was a nuanced character, but I was just like, "Yeah, I gotcha." I, I'm calling this one. This definitely, he's going to turn out to be a problem, and it turned. And I was right, so I'm smart. I, <laughs> I like that the moral of the story ends up being like, I don't think Aang learns anything, but <laughs> um, Sokka, <laughs> empty, no thoughts. Sokka like kind of develops this feeling of like 
oh, ideals are important and we shouldn't sacrifice ideals. Like that's very much his arc through that is like he knows that there's something wrong about the way that Jet is whipping these kids up and and like operating and that kind of informs him. Uh, like you can kind of tell he's like, oh, I'm going to be like a little bit different because of this. And I'm probably being a little bullheaded. Like he acknowledges it by the end of the episode. Uh, but then Katara on the flip side, Katara learns the greatest lesson of all, which is you always end up dating some really scummy people <laughs> and you yeah. learn how to get over that. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It was just a really like relatable thing of being like, oh yeah, Katara's got, uh, a shitty person that she fell for and is now dealing with it. Yeah, cool. This is kind of a fun arc if you look at it from that perspective. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I have a 100% success rate on dating. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing Perfect but track bangs. record. <laughs> it's because I met my partner in college and so I have not dated since. So, um, yeah. I, I get what uh, you're I, saying, though. It, it yeah. is entirely possible to be like, I'm really infatuated with this person. Oh, and that, and he, ooh, in hindsight, problem. When he uh, floods the village for a hot second, I actually did think, oh, wow, did Avatar go there? Did Jet, like, totally mur- murder that village? But no. Was it Soka who went around and warned all of them uh, to get yeah, out into the thing? Yeah, so. Sokka, instead of Sokka. going and being the hero and, like, trying to stop the explosives, instead was, like... I should just warn everybody to get out of the village. And they even bring the old man that he helped out back into it. And I thought that was a very subtle and smart way of being like, Hey, Sokka's like for once, not trying to be the grandstanding person, but is actually doing a pretty reasonable thing. All things considered. And again, just like really subtle bits of ways that I'm noticing them like inform the character's growth throughout all these problems of the week. Like you see the ways in which they are acknowledging their problems or their shortcomings and overcoming them with each episode. So mm-hmm. Soka's just really immature. And, and honestly, yes. so is yeah. Katara. They're both they're kids. They're teenagers. They're, they're all see kids. It, yeah. 100% see it when, you know, um, Katara's like, let's put up the tarp. And Soka's like, hell no, it's a dry season. Also, I'm lazy. And then they get into <laughs> a, a whole thing. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, kids, stop. Oh, my God. Um, and then. And that's why the best character is Appa. Oh, Appa's yes. the best. The entire bit where Soka's wiping, where they're like, you can go and clean all the stuff up from so- uh, Appa's uh, toenails. And Soka's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, I may as well. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the bit where Aang is like, oh, Appa has six stomachs. Sorry, little lemur guy. You mm-hmm. only get uh, you only get a tiny little watermelon. But in fairness, uh. that watermelon did not look nearly big enough for um, Appa. So, Fr- frankly, why hasn't Appa gotten a spinoff yet? I just watched that. Appa's Magical Adventures. Oh, there's another thing I want to. I did not actually like that last episode we watched. The one where they go through the canyon. It was not only heavy handed. Yeah. yeah. It's not only heavy handed. They just established this whole thing where they're like, Ang, you have to save the world and you got to do it by the end of the summer. So clock's Mm -hmm. ticking, kid. Go start learning all of those skills, which, by the way, you spent how long? A hundred years to learn how to be a, a master. Um, well, airbender well, wait he was he so was now in so now ice they're like for a hundred years yeah he was yeah 12 yeah. when he went into the ice 
Still, he took years to master airbending, as yes. he establishes. Yes. yes. He, they're like, oh, let's help out these people. Let's go take a tour through the Grand Canyon. I mean, it should have been like, oh, okay. Well, you, 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 you two groups clearly are having your issues. Anyway, we're gonna get on Appa and fly away. Bye. I mean, they're <laughs> in a hurry, right? They need to get to the North Pole. Fill our episodes. Got to go to Namek. Is it, I, I know they had to do the side quest, Kalal. <laughs> Kalal's saying, "Cat, it's an RPG." I know. But i just pointing out, if you're going to have a ticking clock, you need to have urgency. And I didn't feel the urgency of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Is definitely <laughs> Meteor is coming, but these chocobos aren't going to breed themselves. <laughs> it's Basically. true. It's such an RPG in that respect. Yeah. But overall, I, I am finding I'm liking Avatar in the early stages more than I thought I was. I thought I was going to have a, a lot more hangups about some of the earlier episodes. And I think I'm reading your teeth through them. I think yeah. I did in that first batch, but even by the second batch, I'm already like, oh, there's cool. Like I was saying before, like there's cool stuff here that even feels rewarding to go back to and, and find. So, uh, yeah, it's it's overall been pretty interesting so far. I do think, yeah, episode 12, like Sarden is saying, um, we, we start getting some some big stuff. I mean, Winter Solstice Part 2 is where they pretty much set up the the big like this is the problem we need to solve in, in avatar yeah. establish the stakes yeah and also you now know about the avatar cycle that whole thing with the door was mm-hmm. such a video game puzzle oh, oh yeah. right yeah i love that soka came up with a video my, my solution for like let's put bombs in here and see what happens mm-hmm. somebody's yeah. played zelda and I, it was a good idea totally did work um i I like their trickery and you know, mm-hmm. eventually getting it open and everything. And then I like, yeah. So I just wanted to point out, it's like, as long as we're talking about Avatar, the last airbender being a video game and anime form, there you go. That mm-hmm. That is like mm-hmm. the perfect example of such a freaking, and the episode before the, a couple episodes before that, where um, he's being tormented by the old guy and having to do all the puzzles uh, and he has to get the, the crystal out of the waterfall. That that's another super video game puzzle, and Eve eventually mm-hmm. figures out. See, yeah, but um, I I love how they use their powers in unique ways, and that goes for uh, the general I- Iro, mm. where he's he's naked and chained up, <laughs> um, but he's doing things like oh uh, yeah, he does like the, the hop and ma- stuff. Can you make? Yeah. The, can you tighten my chains? Oh, I made the chains hot. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that, or shooting flames out of his feet and that kind of thing. They do a they really establish the rules early on with the elements and mm-hmm. constantly find new and interesting ways to use them. And I really enjoy it. And the, the the way they use the powers is great. Yeah, yeah, I have to say like when they were about to smash his hand so he couldn't use powers anymore, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, no, that was intense. I was like, "Oh my god." Well, and I mean, in, in Great Divide, you had a dude break both his arms so he can't bend anymore yeah. like that. I, they do a lot to, again, I talked about how magic fights and some things aren't very fun. And like Avatar is all about how like there is a martial art behind the element they're using and even little stuff in some of these episodes like the jet one. Uh, Katara does that like. She like breathes. And at first, if you know, you're like, what's going on? And then it starts freezing and you're like, 
whoa she's turning it into ice that's rad like it's, oh, that's what i was gonna say like yeah i was like yeah there should be subclasses here mm-hmm. and then she totally oh. turned froze the dude she, she froze jet right mm-hmm. she totally yeah. froze the dude and i'm like oh there we go there's a subclass right there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. subclassing so air would uh, the air subclass would be electricity right no i'm now trying to th- what i'm actually trying to think if there is one i think there is but we it, it would take too long and it'd be too much so but yes i, I let's think let's break like, this down over the course of another hour segment let's go yeah yeah it's um individual like just seeing people develop and even just seeing like the was the fire the agni kai that zhao and zuko had in that first batch of episodes where they fought and you could see that like zhao was definitely like had power and strength but like zuko was just kind of like doing these like very fundamental forms that look very rigid and and practiced but it was like the basics and he knew them and it's cool to even see the way again I I can't harp on this enough. I think Avatar is an incredible series to watch if you want to see them tell stories just through motion and through the way that Mm -hmm. people fight. The way Jet fights is so... I forgot to mention this. The curved swords were so inspired and I loved watching the Jet v. Aang fight just because it was like... I was like, if Aang messes up, he's going to get stabbed. Like Jet's not (laughs) messing around with these swords. And it was really cool to see uh, like martial arts, like actual martial arts go up against a bender and see how that works and see how somebody without bending fights a bender. And and there's, oh, there's so much cool stuff in in the stuff we've seen. That's yeah. Yeah. Avatar's great. I love Avatar. (laughs) Well, that was episodes seven through 11 of book one. Eric, what are we watching next? Uh, next? First of all, I messed up on the episode, so there's an additional one on this one. It should be seven through 12. <laughs> so we have one additional episode to watch. Yeah, yeah. Lot. I think I wrote it wrong somewhere. Um, and 12 Eric. is actually a very good episode. So um, we'll, we'll cover it next week. Don't worry. Uh, and well, then the thank ne- God. Yes, don't worry. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. And then for the next week, it'll be episode 13, The Blue Spirit, up through episode 18, The Waterbending Master. And I think that'll put us on track to, uh, by the end of the month, be done with the first book. Um, and an additional note that I have noticed watching on Netflix, for those of you who are watching out there, Netflix will sometimes mush episodes together. And I did my best to make sure that every Mm. like two parter or whatever is, is within like a block. So there's no situation where you're going to watch like half of an episode, uh, a 47 minute episode for one week. And then the other half is in the other week. It should be fairly balanced out. But if you see some naming conventions that are a little bit different, like I think the one I immediately noticed was in October, there's one where the last episode is called the drill, but Netflix just condenses that down into one two-parter, and that's the second part of the two-parter. Um, don't worry about it. Episode numbers are what matter, and and they will they will not do you wrong. There are just some like two-parters or three-parters, or in the case of the finale, which is like a five-parter, uh, all condensed into one segment. So so don't worry too much about that. Okay, I won't. Um, <laughs> and as for you, dear listeners slash watcher. Uh, you should join us on our watch of Avatar The Last Airbender as we 
continue our journey to the end of book one. The end of September, we'll be doing this every single week for the rest of the fall. All right, Nadia, take us home. So last weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, I was house-sitting for my parents because they have a, a big-ass dog that eats people, and I'm the only one that can really control her, and they don't want to board her or anything like that, so I said, fine, I'll watch her while you, you do your thing. And they, like, have always lived in the same neighborhood where I grew up, uh, in different houses, yes, but in the same general area. Like, it's kind of a one-way-in, one-way-out neighborhood because Toronto's geography is really weird. And so I'm walking through this old neighborhood at, like, three in the morning, because of course I am, and I'm thinking, oh man, like, not just about my friends and who I used to play play with when I was a kid, but like, the game systems they had, and who stole from me back in the day. Like, I walked by one kid's house back in the day, and it's like, oh, that's Jack's house. He stole my Atari games. And when I say he stole my Atari games, I mean he stole the good ones. Like, we had, believe it or not, um, Atari 2600 had a really good port of Commando, Mm. and Mm -hmm. we loaned that to him and he moved away and we never saw it again <laughs> and my mom's like okay you're never you're never trading games with anyone ever again but of course i did and then it's like oh there's so-and-so's house uh he was the only kid i ever knew who had a turbo graphics 16 and mm-hmm. he was the weirdo mm-hmm. in the schoolyard because it was like hey i have this nintendo game hey i have the sega genesis game uh turbo graphics man like uh all right yeah that, that bonkster looks like a character now doesn't he Near to my parents' house, actually, like, uh, there's the house of this brother couple I used to know, and that's where I first, one of the first places I saw a, not just a a Nintendo, but a Rob. Like, they had the whole action system from back in the day, like, 87, 85, I can't remember which one it was, they were one of the earliest adopters that I remember, and, like, I wanted to play Nintendo, because my brother was there, and they were there, and of course, when you're the littlest girl in the room you ain't playing nothing unless they let you and i had to say something like my brother was great and like say this whole poem and i i did it because i wanted to play super mario brothers and then there was this one other kid's house where it's like oh that's the first place i saw super mario brothers 3 and when i saw a block on the ground i thought i was having a fever dream because that was a weird thing to see when you're going from mario 1 to mario 3 so yeah just kind of Thinking back on old days and, and telling time via like the thieves and the, the people who made me write poetry so I could play some Nintendo. And uh, it was it was a nice sort of recollection, uh, maybe a little bit lame that you think of people according to their game systems. But I am what I am. I mean, I did. Yeah, um, yeah there you I go. I had the Dreamcast friend. Yeah, the Dreamcast friend, the Genesis friend, the SNES mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. I never had a I PC Engine fan. Never had the TurboGrafx-16 friend. That was just a myth. Those didn't really exist. I, I, uh, maybe he was lying, but I sw- I'm pretty sure he had one. Uh, I always wonder what the like the frame <laughs> of mind was. Who lies about like, that? Who lies about who lies having, having turbo- TurboGrafx 16? You know what I have? TurboGrafx 16. So many TurboGrafx 16 games, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. So many. <laughs> Your story, Nadia, reminds me of the bit from Scott Pilgrim where Scott goes, "You want to see my house?" And then he turns around and he's like, "Here it is." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very toronto uh, very toronto mm. moment i want to say uh pretty much yeah it's uh that was very wholesome i i think that was a nook 
It's a nook, right and there. we need to end it before it becomes a pit, <laughs> because it will eventually <laughs> run, become run. a pit. <laughs> the, the like the game system will have killed. And then there was that house where the game system killed a kid. It was pretty wild, actually. <laughs> well, I, I did have one friend. Oh uh, no! Who... I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a. It's not bad. Oh, it's just oh fun. God. Um, I taught her how to make like armpit noises, but with your knee. Uh, so like farting okay. noises with your knee. Okay. No one's dead yet. And, okay. And she couldn't quite get it. But then like a few days later, she comes like frantically knocking on my door. and says, Nadia, look what I can do. <laughs> she just picks up her leg and like. Wow. So I taught still her how nook. to do that. And I'm very Still nook. <laughs> we're, we're still in nook territory. It's <laughs> still reasonably wholesome. Well, um, there was the then that passed by the house where the dog bit my brother's. There we go. There's the pit. <laughs> and I got just... blamed for that. Like, I'm sorry. He went near the dog. I wasn't. I couldn't. I'm not his keeper. I can't tell him go. Don't go pet the dog because not it my shouldn't have been out. going to bite people. I'm not. Here we oh, go down, God. spiraling down, down, down. Nadia's nostalgia pit. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, folks. On that note, that's the end of another week of Axe of Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think we got to escape before Nadia takes us any further down this pit. So uh, climbing back up. But <laughs> if you want to join in a different kind of pit, you can come listen to the Axe of the Blood God post show, where we're going to be talking more about the fall RPG preview, more, among other things, maybe uh, Autumn of Avatar, that kind of thing. Um, if you enjoyed the show, once again, please go leave a review on the podcast of your choice. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for just $1 a month, you can join our Discord, be part of the monthly game club, talk about Autumn of Avatar and all of that stuff, and get regular updates on what is happening with the podcast. And hey, you support us and keep the show going even better. Um, I want to say, once again, our stars of destiny for joining us night we'll see you in the post show in just a hot second and for eric Nadia, and myself thanks for listening happy adventuring <laughs>